the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Thank you for being with us. It's going to be a busy day today, 10 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're underway. It's the 22nd morning of the month of Groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. It's a Thursday. That means you know we're going to be talking to Dr. Piper, as we do each and every uh, Thursday. We uh, go through the culture wars with one of our leaders. Dr. Piper's coming up at 1010. A little bit later than that, at 1035 this morning, uh, we're going to be talking with Julia Payne of the Alliance Defending Freedom, or of Alliance Defending Freedom, as they defend life. Uh, unborn heartbeats. We know about the Ohio heartbeat law. And uh, this is a debate, of course, in the Ohio Supreme Court. And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom filed a friend of the court brief back in May on behalf of Cincinnati's Right to Life and seven other pro-life organizations uh, urging the court to uphold the fetal heartbeat law. That, of course, is a precursor to uh, an even stronger pro-life uh, measure. And, of course, we are trying to defend life. 
at every turn. Uh, that's what August 8th is about in large part, and that is what November is about most certainly and specifically in its entirety. So we're going to talk to Julia Payne about all of that. Uh, and on that same subject, at 1110, we're going to talk to Amy Natos, and I hope I'm saying her name right. I might not be. But she is a spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio. She is going to have very specifics for us uh, on the fight to uh, to protect uh, unborn lives or preborn lives uh, that we have to win in November. And part of that will indeed come from a win in August, which we will discuss. Prior to all of those, though, in uh, just half an hour, we're going to talk to DJ Swearingen. It's my first conversation with DJ, who is one of the Gang of 22 the trans dems that we talk about all the time because of what they did with the great speaker steel of 2023 uh i've not talked to dj swearingen since then he was one of those who who uh uh in my view backstabbed derek marin and uh supported jason stevens putting the ohio state house which should have been a supermajority able to pass uh, the most important legislation for Ohioans, uh, you know, it, it, it put it all at risk. And, and right now there continues to be gridlock in a number of areas because of that. But I'm not here to uh, come down on him today. He's going to join me so that we can celebrate the passage yesterday of three very important bills out of the Ohio House. The Parents' Bill of Rights is extraordinarily important. The left hates the idea that parents might actually have a say in how their kids are raised and taught. You see, they want to do this themselves in government schools. Uh, also, the SAFE Act, which is Gary Click's bill, which we have been talking to Gary about the last few weeks, uh, also extraordinarily important. That is the Saving Adoles- uh, Adolescents from Experimentation Act. And then uh, that passed out of the House, as well as, which was folded into it, the Saving Women's Sports Act. All three of those very important all three should steamroll through with a veto-proof majority in the Ohio Senate and then should be signed by Governor Mike DeWine. I put out a message to the governor's office, by the way, today after or this morning after yesterday's uh, victories to say, if and when these get to your desk, will you sign these? Now, I haven't gotten an answer from the office yet. I don't expect one because they don't talk to me because I called Governor Mike DeWine what he is, which is a trans-dem. Uh, so, uh, but we'll see if he signs this. Even if he doesn't, these bills, he is, um, uh, he is facing a veto-proof majority. So I would imagine he would not want to incur the wrath of Ohioans, uh, by veto, Ohio conservatives by vetoing these bills only to have them become law against his will anyway. So there you go. We've got some important conversations. DJ Swearingen, Dr. Everett Piper, Julia Payne, and Amy Natos. And, uh, I'm looking forward to all of those. And of course, when the opportunity arises for you to call, I look forward to your calls at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. What do you say we start with our pledge? Patriots, go ahead and stand. Face your flag. Uh, put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you believe in pardoning sons of sitting presidents, yeah, it's a tantamount to a pardon by giving them probation on deals that would have automatically incurred prison sentences for other Americans. Yeah, that's the Hunter Biden story. Uh, then you don't believe in this flag anyway. You don't have to pledge your allegiance to it. Instead, you can take a knee over there next to that unemployed socialist quarterback who hates capitalism. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. 
I'm not going to dwell on it this morning. I'm just going to point out that the deadline has come and gone now of the oxygen that um, supposedly would have been available to the passengers in that submersible that went down to scour the ocean floor and observe the Titanic wreckage in 12,500 feet of water in the North Atlantic. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on it because um, I think we all know how it turned out at this point. Um, They're not coming back. Uh, and it's awful. But I will say this, equally awful is the number of people who are making memes and jokes about the deaths of these people. I just don't find it funny. I mean, it's literally not something you're talking about from five years ago. You know, when people say too soon, well, yeah, it's too soon. It's literally happening as we speak. And I'll just say this to all of the people who are ghoulish in their, uh, you know, and their laughter, and I think they're just mocking and making fun of the millionaires that can afford or the billionaires that can afford the $250,000 price tag to go down there. You know, people, how, you know, what are you, stupid? Who would put themselves in danger like that to go down there? You know what? You deserve what you get kind of things that are going on all over the Internet. And I would just ask those people, do you take, you know, do you find humor in, in skydivers who perish when their chutes don't open? And they slammed to the ground because they took a huge risk. Do you, do you laugh when you find out that the chute didn't open? Because they didn't have to do that. That was extraordinarily dangerous. They jumped out of a perfectly uh, a safe airplane. Do you chuckle and get a, a good, a good uh, hearty laugh out of uh, learning that somebody died trying to climb Mount Everest? Because it happens every year. What are you doing? It's your fault. You're taking the risk. That costs a lot of money, too, by the way. Do you laugh when people uh, die uh, in rock climbing falls? Do you laugh when people die in in uh, bungee jumping or base jumping accidents? When people do dangerous things and tragedy happens, I, I don't usually recall people skiing the world's most dangerous slopes, crashing, smashing into a tree, maybe getting caught in an avalanche. Nobody laughs because they were doing dangerous things and they died. But people are laughing because these five people are in a submersible exploring the ocean floor and looking for uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the wreckage site of uh, one of the most uh, tragic uh, maritime, in fact, maybe the most tragic maritime accident in, in, in all of history. But um, it, it just it strikes me as odd that people are finding humor in this, that people are laughing. And I think it's people don't care about them. They think they're less than human because they're wealthy. Uh, I, I won't do that, and I'm, I have a problem with that. I will say I also have a problem with the CEO of OceanGate because I talked about this a little bit earlier this week. The CEO of OceanGate, not only did he declare he wasn't going to hire his sub-pilots based on their experience and their qualifications, he declared that uh, most of these other companies that provide these you know, uh, uh, ocean floor adventures, they hire ex-military with tons of experience as submariners. And they're all white men in their 50s. He said, I'm not going to hire 50-year-old white men. I'm going to hire you know, younger people who are more, quote, inspiring, which means he values diversity over experience. I have a problem with that. I also have a problem with the fact that he fired a few years ago, talked about this yesterday, one of his uh, key you know, uh, people who were trying to impose more security, uh, safety measures, rather, for these uh, submersibles that Ocean Gra- OceanGate was going to take down to the ocean floor. And um, he took shortcuts. The owner did. The CEO did. Fired that guy and said, no, we don't need to do that. Everything's fine. I got a problem with that, too. But I'll tell you this. 
and I don't know really how, really know how to feel about it. This will be the last thing I say about it. He didn't just send other people down there. He went down himself. Stockton Rush is the Ocean Gate CEO. He's the boss. He's the one who made all those decisions, and he went down on this trip. So he had to have felt like this is safe for people. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put himself in that jeopardy. So I don't feel like he was just being so careless that he didn't care about other people. He literally was willing to walk his own walk, if that makes any sense. He went down to the Titanic wreckage site on the ocean floor with this submersible. And so as their lives are all lost, so is his. So take that for what it's worth, but it's a tragedy and not something that I think at this moment in time is worth laughing about. Not that you laugh about death ever, but, you know, I'm, I don't want to get into the whole nature of comedy and what you're allowed to make fun of, what you're not anymore. But this is going on right now. This is real time, and it's not uh, it's not funny. So uh, that's the update on the, uh, the Ocean Gate submersible. Uh, the uh, expiration date, if you will, on the oxygen has come and gone. It was around 7 o'clock this morning, our time, and... Uh, And it is believed by many of the experts that this is not something that was an issue. They're not dying of a lack of oxygen. The odds are very, very good that they suffered a catastrophic implosion when perhaps uh, there was an air leak uh, and the the, uh, submersible succumbed to 6,000 PSI. That's uh, pounds of pressure per square inch. The the submersible would have crumpled like a tin can down there uh, if there was any kind of an air leak. And that's probably what happened, which is why they couldn't even find them with a beacon or anything else. So, tragic story. Just uh, wanted to, to kind of bring some sort of closure to it as we understand it right now. If there is any changing news on that, we, of course, will talk about it. Um, I want to get to this because, you know, we, we talk and have talked about uh, the issue of transgenderism infiltrating and destroying women's identities and activities for some time now, particularly when it comes to sports. We, ha- If you didn't hear this yesterday, you need to hear it right now. Riley Gaines, of course, is the All-American swimmer from the University of Florida. Uh, I'm sorry, University of Kentucky, beg pardon, who um, has decided to go on uh, a tour as an activist trying to stop men from infiltrating women's sports and ruining it for them, the way Leah Thomas, the University of Pennsylvania man who uh, decided to call himself Leah and race against women, the way that he did for, you know, to Riley and all of her other competitors. So she was testifying yesterday before a Senate Judiciary Committee along with somebody named Kelly Robinson who describes herself as a queer who is uh, the black president of the Human Rights Campaign. And this woman, uh, Kelly Robinson, who the Democrats brought as an expert witness before this committee, tried to tell us that the best women's tennis player in the world is better than the men. And that this whole notion of men destroying women's sports because they're too good is fantasy. I want you to listen to her and then I want you to hear Riley Gaines provide the instantaneous fact check. Listen. Male, female, boy, girl, okay, biologically, do males have an advantage over females biologically in sports? Again, I'm not a physician, and I, I can't speak to that. What's your real-world experience? 
Um, it depends. I mean, there are some people who are born male that I'm faster than if I were to sprint against them and some that I'm not. Some but, males that so are taller than some women and some that are shorter. You that a biological male has a physical advantage in sports over a biological female? Not as a, a definitive statement. Give me an example. Well, no, I, I don't think. Not how, as a definitive how, statement. How many female members of the NBA do you see? Well, I can say that, you know, there's been this news article about men that think that they could beat Serena Williams in tennis, right? That they think that they could actually score a point on her. Um, and it's just not the case. She is stronger James, than that. What's your experience, Ben? You heard that. First of all, she said there's been this news article that men think they can beat Serena Williams at tennis. No, there isn't. There's no such thing as that news article. Uh, but if you're just trying to say that you believed Serena Williams would beat all men at tennis because she's just stronger than them, well, here we go. Male, female. Both Serena and Venus lost to the 203rd ranked male tennis player, which they're phenoms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he's... I'll just stop right there for a second. Riley Gaines with the instantaneous fact check. She's right. Serena Williams and Venus Williams were considered in their prime uh, about 10, 15 years ago. They're the two most dominant female tennis players, not only of their era, but with Serena of all time. They played back-to-back sets, one for each of them. So, you know, fresh. Each person was fresh against the 203rd best player on the men's circuit. Now, they were numbers one and two. This man was 203rd. He played Serena one set and Venus one set and beat them both like 6-1-6-1. Just destroyed them. Serena went on TV, I think on the Letterman show, and declared she would never want to play against men. And all of these people who think that she's the best player in the world because she's the best female player and she's so dominant have no idea what it's like to play against men. But this Democrat activist brought up there by Senate Democrats as a quote-unquote expert to testify for this committee said that men couldn't score a point against Serena. Riley Gaines brought the hammer, and here's the rest of her statement. Noms for women. Um, my experience, my husband, he swam at University of Kentucky as well. In terms of accolades and in terms of national ranking, I was a much better swimmer than him. Um, he could kick my butt any day of the week without trying. I was an all-American swimmer at the University of Kentucky. My husband was also a swimmer at the University of Kentucky. He was not an all-American. I have way more accolades than he does, but he would kill me without even trying because he's a guy, and guys are simply at a physical superior advantage in sports over girls, which is why it is insane for the left to continue to try to push this trans nonsense into women's sports. And it's also why we are celebrating one of the uh, bills passing the Ohio House yesterday, which was the Save Women's Sports Act. It got folded into the SAFE Act. That passed along with the Parents' Bill of Rights. So for that, we say... We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the passage of all three of those with the sponsor of the Parents' Bill of Rights Act, DJ Swearingen. He'll join me next on Always Right Radio, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Sure, international
Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. Okay, 936. Good morning. Appreciate you being with us. I told you we're loaded up today. It was a good day yesterday in the Ohio State House. It was an important day yesterday. It's something that, quite frankly, shouldn't have taken this long. Uh, but it finally got done. Not just one, but three very important bills. First of all, uh, the Save Women Sports Act was not a standalone bill any longer, as it was amended into the SAFE Act, which is the Saving Adolescence from Experimentation Act. That was Gary Clicks. That bill got passed with both of those very important pieces of legislation in it. And then also yesterday... The Parents' Bill of Rights, which was uh, extraordinarily important to reaffirm that, yes, the children that we bear and that we raise are our own. They do not belong to the state of Ohio. They do not belong to the teachers' unions. They do not belong to the village to raise them. That, yes, parents should have a say in everything that their child is exposed to, and especially if their child is facing a medical complication or situation. And that includes psychological as well. That's my introduction to Ohio State Representative D.J. Swearingen, who joins us now. He is, of course, representing District 89 from Huron. D.J. Swearingen was one of the two co-sponsors, along with Sarah Carruthers, of the Parents' Bill of Rights. He joins us now to tell us what this means going forward on AM 1420, The Answer. Representative Swearingen, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a long time. How are you? I'm doing well, Bob. Thanks for having me on, and uh, I hope you're doing well, too. We are, yes, sir. It's been uh, it's since before January that I've had you on. Obviously, you and I spoke a little off the air or communicated a little bit off the air about uh, the situation involving the speakers. Uh, I've been very hard on you. I don't know if you hear those kinds of things or not, but uh, not just you, but uh, some of the others who um, who were responsible for what I think is some gridlock in t- at times in the uh, Ohio State House. But as I mes- messaged you yesterday, Representative Swearingen, I praise people when praise is deserved. I give credit where it is due. You deserve all kinds of credit. You deserve all kinds of praise for shepherding this very important bill through. So tell me uh, your your reaction now, knowing this is headed to the Senate and. And will likely arrive there, or excuse me, exit there, and head to Mike DeWine's desk with a with a veto veto proof majority, the way you did in the House. Yeah, well, I, I, first off, Bob, I really appreciate those comments. Um, you know, that's why I always I always appreciate your insight. And um, you know, this is like you said in your introductory remarks, a big day for Ohio. I mean, to reaffirm that parents are in control of the education and upbringing of their children. You know, it's it's something that's common sense. We really shouldn't even need a bill for that, in my opinion, but we do. And um, based off the groups that I talked to around the state when we were getting this bill through committee, this is very much needed uh, for a number of reasons. I think evidenced by the lawsuits that are ongoing, mainly in the Columbus suburbs, over these issues. Um, but it was really it was a team effort. Chairman Adam Byrd did a great job in the primary and secondary education. Uh, we got this bill to a really great place where it had a lot of uh, significance and teeth in it. And uh, my joint sponsor was extremely helpful as well as some of the members of the primary and secondary education committee in the house. So great team effort, great day for Ohio parents and their kids. And, um, you know, these are the types of things we need to do that conservatives want in our state and our parents expect of us. So, so representative Swearingen, um, I want you to respond to the critics. It's funny. I, uh, if I search up, I don't use Google, but if I search up Ohio Parents Bill of Rights Act and hit news, which brings you the most recent news stories about it, it is astounding the way it's presented. Ohio House approves ban on gender affirming care, ban on transgender girls, and forced outing bill. 
Ohio House passes sexuality content bill uh, to vote uh, trans athlete and health care ban. Um, Ohio House okays bill making schools tell parents of transgender children as if these things are, are, are terrible things, as if parents don't have a right to know that their child is, is undergoing a psychological calamity that they might want to be you know uh, alerted to and, and, and to work with their kids. How do you respond to the critics who call this the don't say gay or trans and don't help gay and trans bills in the state of Ohio? Yeah. We we had this debate on the floor yesterday, and I think they're ignoring science. If you look at any medical journal or any study, study after study, result after result, shows that when parents are engaged and involved in their kids' lives, no matter what the issue is, the outcomes are exponentially better. So, you know, I think this was called a, a hateful bill yesterday when what we're trying to do is encourage the relationship between parent and child I don't see how that can ever be hateful. And in fact, where kids learn, you know, to be loving, trusting adults later on in life is from their parents. So, you know, if you want to learn the skills that you need to be successful in life and relationships and other areas of, you know, society, whether that's in your job or with others, you learn it from your parents. And I remember, you know, for me personally, right now we have a workforce issue in Ohio, right? We can't find enough people to work. Mm -hmm. Well, where I learned personally workforce uh, issues was from my dad when he gave me the lawnmower and told me to get out in the yard and mow the grass <laughs> you know, when I was 10 years old. So, you know, there's a lot of great things that happen when parents are involved in their in their kids' lives, and that's all we're asking for in this bill, and we've got the data that backs us up that that's a good thing, that when parents are engaged, there's successful outcomes for kids, and when there's successful outcomes for kids, our state as a whole is going to be better off. Yeah, I think that's very well said. Um, what do you what do you say to the to the teachers unions that are so opposed to this sort of thing? I, I'm I'm astounded that the government schools think that they have a right to uh, keep very very important health related matters away from the parents. Uh, I understand it was debated on the floor yesterday from some of your fellow legislators, particularly on the Democrat mm-hmm. side of the aisle, but 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 I'm I'm really really concerned about the attitude that the government schools, the administrators and the teachers have that if they dare tell parents that their kid is experiencing a psychological uh, calamity right now that you're outing them and exposing them to danger. What they're literally saying right. is is that this is going to lead to abuse of kids by parents who may not support the transitioning that the child is wishing to to uh, uh, participate in. Well, really, you know, there's a couple things there. If there's actual abuse going on in the household, there's Children's Protective Services and teachers are mandatory reporters, and Adam Bird did a good job of, you know, bringing that out yesterday. The other thing is, you know, and I don't say this from a position of arrogance or anything, but literally the school system works for the taxpayers, the people of Ohio that pay salaries, that pay for the school buildings. They work for the parents. So, you know, and that's not to thumb our nose at anyone, but that's the reality of our school districts, and we need to right-size the relationship between Ohio taxpayers and the schools. Uh, the last thing I would say, too, is, you know, if you talk to the good teachers, they want parents involved. The good teachers are not trying to keep parents out of the classroom. So, you know, several actual teachers that I talk to, they feel like they're in a rock and a hard place because the administration is telling them one thing to not tell the parents, you know, that this is going on in the schools. And they're saying, no, I absolutely need to go tell the parents about these issues because that's the right thing to do. So I think 
we're going to help out a lot of teachers out there that do want to, you know, get the right thing done for kids in the schools. And uh, I think the Parents' Bill of Rights will help out some teachers who actually are uh, working in good faith and, and give them the reason that, hey, this is the law now and we're required to get parents engaged on these issues. So I think this is beneficial for parents, and I think it's honestly going to be beneficial for a lot of the teachers out there who who do want to get the parents engaged. I'm so. glad to hear you say that, too, because we're talking with Representative D.J. Swearingen, Ohio 89, if you just turned us on. He was the uh, lead sponsor, along with Sarah Carruthers, of the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights Act, which passed the Ohio House yesterday, should sail through the Senate and head to Mike DeWine's desk. I'm glad you said what you said, because I don't mean to demonize all teachers. What I really, really feel bad about are the teachers who know that what is being pushed in their classrooms and in their schools is wrong. They know that they yeah. are there to teach and educate and not indoctrinate and not try to sexualize and push sexual and gender ideology on their kids, but they can't speak out. Representative Swearingen, they can't, you know, because if anybody, we are seeing examples of this all over the place, if anybody dares push against that narrative and that agenda that is being uh that is that is being advanced right now, they their political or excuse me, their professional careers are at risk. Yeah, absolutely. No, and and again, I think this bill now gives them the cover and the legal requirement now that's very clear and it's expressed in the bill that, hey, I, I do have to go get mom and dad involved. I do have to tell them about this. And, you know, it, it takes it out. It takes them out of the crosshairs, which is a really good thing. Yeah, it, it is very, very important. And, and briefly, this was uh, Gary Click's uh, 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 baby, this uh, the SAFE Act, which, of course, passed yesterday yep. with the uh, Save Women Sports Act amended into it. Give me your view on the importance of that. Um, I, I mean, obviously, the Parents' Bill of Rights is extraordinarily important. So is the SAFE Act, because I think there's some 20 states now and growing uh, that have passed some sort of legislation that bans, well, I, I like the word in our SAFE Act, experimentation, surgical experimentation mm-hmm. on children who cannot give consent, literally under the law. That's why, uh, you know, until they're, until they're 18-year-old adults, they can't give consent to do anything that is permanently scarring of their bodies. We don't allow them to smoke. We don't allow them to right. drink. We don't allow them to do anything before they're an adult, uh, but we're going to let them do these kinds of things. This bans that. How important is that, Representative Swearingen? It's, it's, it's incredibly important, and again, this was kind of a bill where um, I'm like, man, I, I don't, I can't believe we have to have a bill for this, but we do. And the the most compelling, and Gary, Representative Click did a great job on this bill. You know, I commend him for, for his efforts. He's been working on this for a long time. Um, the most compelling testimony in committee for, for me were those individuals that came in that had had these procedures done as minors and now in their 20s just extremely regretted what had been done to them. And, you know, they made mention of the fact that, look, I, I didn't know, you know, I don't know why this was, <laughs> you know, I was a kid. I didn't know why this was done to me. I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, and now they're regretting their decision in their 20s. So I think that speaks for itself. It was some of the most compelling testimony that the committee heard. And um, again, this is uh, this is another good bill that I was happy to support and thank Representative Click for bringing forward. Yeah, I was very, very uh, happy to see that, too. I've spoken uh, to him at great length over the last few weeks and uh, in anticipation of this. So I was glad to see that, too. Last thing I'll uh, ask before you go, I mentioned it very briefly at the outset, you know, the uh, the uh, the uh, difficult situation involving the majority of the Republican caucus in the State House versus mm-hmm. the 22 that supported Speaker Stevens. There's a story in uh, the Ohio Press Network uh, ran uh, two days ago, Stevens' record as House Speaker shows gridlock despite Republican supermajority. 
obviously things came together and the Bills were celebrating today, but how would you characterize your working relationship as a, a member of the 22 that supported Speaker Stevens along with all Democrats against the, um, uh, the rest of the Republican caucus? How is the relationship? Oh, I think it's good. I mean, it's evidenced by the fact of the bills that we passed. And, you know, I, I know these bills have taken some time, but, you know, when you're looking at some of these bills, such as the Parents' Bill of Rights or Gary Click's bill, and you're, you're worried about litigation going forward. And I think we saw that with the Arkansas version of the SAFE Act. So you want to make sure the bill is is done well. You want to make sure it's in a position to with, withstand any type of legal scrutiny. So that takes a little bit of time. And I know people get frustrated with with those types of things. But if we don't get it right, then we're going to pay for that on the back end if a court strikes it down later on down the road. As far as a working relationship with my colleagues, I, I think it's great. I mean, I have respect for all of my colleagues, regardless of who uh, they voted on for speaker. And I think what unites us are these bills that we did yesterday that are that are fundamental truths that our, our party stands for, that the people of Ohio stand for, really in a bipartisan fashion. I mean, I'm sure there's some rural Democrats out there who also support what we did yesterday. I'm, I'm certain of it that are that are more socially conservative. And uh, but these bills and these policies, I think, help bring us together. You know, for my bill, I do those rural with... Democrats need to speak out, Representative Swearingen? Absolutely. I feel, oh, I, I feel like they yes. may be in the same situation as those teachers, though. If they do, they cost themselves their careers. A hundred percent. And I'm talking about, you know, your 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 average voter, your Bob and Betty Buckeye. Uh, I know I've I've run into several people in my district who did not vote for me, but they're absolutely for, you know, the Save Women's Sports Act because they just think that's common sense. Um, and they have granddaughters or, or, you know, or other nieces and nephews that they're, they're worried about or their own kids. Um, you know, but as far as the working relationship with my colleagues, I think it's good. I think these types of bills bring us together. I think that we're going to get a lot of really good stuff done in the budget too, as far as income tax cuts and expansion of school choice. Uh, that helps to bring us together as well. And, um, you know, I had to work with Adam Bird. He he did not vote for Jason. I worked with Gary Click on the um, uh, per- Parents' Bill of Rights. He did not vote for Jason. But these issues transcend, you know, our, our politics, if that makes sense. I mean, these are these are things that we have to get done. They're universal truths that we need to stand for, and uh, transcends any type of speaker vote. So, you know, happy to work with them. And uh, I think we're moving forward, and we want to get. A, a, a lot of good stuff done before this General Assembly wraps up in a year and a half. So, uh, Representative DJ Swearingen, I lied. I do have one more. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about August 8th. Uh, you know, oh, early voting is coming up yeah. on July 11th. It's extraordinarily important, and I want to get everybody to testify uh, as to the importance of, yeah. uh, of passing that uh, issue one on August 8th. Please vote. You know, if you're listening, vote yes. It's, it's a no-brainer. And uh, if you're not registered to vote, get registered to vote and vote yes. Early voting starts July 11th, right around the corner. Um, you know, my simple pitch to people is the Constitution protects our fundamental rights. You know, my job as an elected official is to protect your rights. You know, the government doesn't grant any rights. We protect it. That's what the Constitution also does. It protects fundamental rights. And there are groups that are out there. We're probably going to see, you know, five to six potential uh, constitutional amendments coming down the pipe over the next couple of years. We need to take a stand for our fundamental rights by uh, protecting our Constitution and raising the threshold to 60 percent. You know, we're going to see all types of amendments from, uh, you know, anti-gun amendments, 
obviously the abortion amendment in November, ranked choice voting. We're also probably going to see uh, an independent redistricting commission push uh, from the former chief justice. So all of these things, um, you know, the, the other side's coming for, and we need to take a stand and say, look, we, we don't legislate in our Constitution. We don't alter our inalienable rights on a whim. We protect them. And uh, that's that's why I'm voting yes on August 8th. Representative DJ Swearage and laying it out. Great points all the way around. Congratulations again yesterday on getting those important pieces of legislation through the House. We will uh, celebrate harder and louder when uh, this gets through the Senate and is signed by the governor. Uh, Representative Swearage, and thank you for coming on. I certainly appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Bob. Appreciate it. it. 952, we'll take a timeout and come right back on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 9.56, I got four minutes before the top of the hour. Dr. Everett Piper looms and waits on the other side of the top of this hour. Uh, But I do believe John Stover from Ohio Value Voters, the president of Ohio Value Voters, is on the line, wants to respond to the conversation with DJ Swearingen and yesterday's votes. John, are you there? Yes, Bob. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing well, my friend. What's on your mind this morning? Well, I uh, first of all, uh, certainly uh, appreciate uh, the action of the Ohio House relative to these three bills. As you know, Bob, these three bills, uh, Ohio Value Voters Protect Ohio Children, have supported, um, even going back two years ago, last session. Uh, long overdue, the uh, you know Save Women's Sports Act. I mean, what, what else do you need to say about that? I mean, you had uh, covered this earlier regarding uh, tennis. There's so many other sports. You know, I often think, that if uh, LeBron James ever decides to retire, um, maybe he becomes LaBelle James and he has another 10 years in the uh, Women's <laughs> National Basketball Association, you know. But, you know, it uh, it was a good day. The, the only thing that I would say now is that these bills, of course, will go to the Senate to go to uh, Senator Andrew Brenner's committee, the uh, uh, education bill especially. This is something our organization is going to take a close look at, Bob. The reason being is that currently, you know, there are, parents' rights that are written into a couple of codes, uh, Ohio Revised Code 3313.6011 and 3313.60 Section G. Uh, I'm not going to get into it, but we want to make sure that nothing's been done to water down those areas that parents currently have rights in. And uh, when it comes to the governor, just real quick here, to let you know the process regarding the governor two years ago, last session, he, uh, he actually opposed the uh, Women's um, women's Sports Act. It was unfortunate, but I was on the phone late in the night with one of the uh, state senators, and uh, the bill left the House with uh, House Bill 187 to give to athlete, uh, athletics um, and, um, you know, stars that would be playing for Ohio State, et cetera, the opportunity to make money on their name. Many states are doing that, and Ohio mm-hmm. State wanted this bill in a bad way. Well, they attached women's sports uh, to it, Ultimately, um, the governor was contacted and made aware of the fact that he was going to get these bills. He said, don't send it to me. I'm not interested in signing it. Don't support it. And uh, it ultimately, uh, he had uh, written an executive order to take care of giving at- athletics, um, you know, stars the ability to make money off of their name. But uh, he came out with a press release saying the Ohio High School Athletic Association should be doing something. Of course, they're not going to do anything relative to this. So legislation is needed. But once again, as far as the governor, I believe it will pass the Senate. Uh, it will have no problem at all, and it will be a uh, majority. The governor has one of two options, actually three options, Bob. You can either sign it, you can veto it, which he won't do, 
or he can let it become law after 10 days of doing nothing. So, you know, it becomes law after 10 days if he takes no action upon it. And I think that may be a direction he will proceed in uh, when it comes to uh, possibly both or maybe one of these bills. I think you're right. Given his previous stance, which you just laid out, I think that's what he'll do. He will not sign it uh, and thus indicate that he has had a change of position on this, and he won't veto it knowing it's going to get overridden anyway. He'll probably just let it pass after 10 days. Either way, that's with right. or without, and it doesn't surprise me, and it doesn't bother me, quite frankly. I've come to expect that type of thing from Governor Mike DeWine, but... Um, Nonetheless, what's going to be what the most important thing is is that kids and these female athletes and parents are all protected by these three bills. Very, very important. Uh, John yes. Stover, thank you for your leadership as well as uh, everyone at uh, Ohio Valley Voters Protect Ohio Children. Uh, it's extraordinarily important. We're making great headway, and we appreciate your contributions to it. Thank you, John. Yes, thank you, Bob. Ten o'clock news time. Doctor Piper next. Always Right Radio, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Already then, the magic continues into hour number two. Nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Appreciate you being with us on this Thursday. It's the 22nd morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks again to DJ Swergen, Ohio State Representative, for celebrating with us the passage of three very important bills out of the Ohio House yesterday. I sense that my next conversation will not be a celebratory because of actions made by the Oklahoma House. And, of course, when I talk Oklahoma, you know that means I'm talking about Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper joins us once again. As he does each and every Thursday, he is uh, one of the generals that I turn to as we continue to fight the battles of the culture war. Dr. Piper is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He's a best-selling author. He's a podcast host. It's called The Rebellion. You should check it out. Uh, and he is also a, a, a county commissioner in Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on, as always. So, Dr. Piper, we'll come to the Oklahoma legislative story in a moment and maybe tie it to the Ohio legislative story, a little bit different on those things. But we always start with your column, or at least we almost always do. And I find it interesting. You didn't have to write one this week. Uh, you let God write it. You just used the Bible and uh, and said, let's read what God has to say through the hands of the prophets and those who wrote the books of the Bible. Um, I'll just read it quickly. On June 10th, President Biden took to the national stage to celebrate what he described as, quote, the largest pride celebration ever held at the White House. Happy Pride Month, he shouted. Happy Pride Year. Happy Pride Life. God bless you all. And your response is, let's see what God has to say about all that pride. Dr. Piper, take it. Well, uh, after all, President Biden said, God bless you all. So I would argue that this is a prayer that President Biden is leading in a national prayer, asking for God's blessing on America and on Americans. So, okay, fine. Let's see what God says, and let's go to the Bible. I mean, America has historically agreed that the Bible is the Word of God. In fact, we've got numerous founding fathers and subsequent presidents throughout the generations of the United States of America who have acknowledged 
that the Bible is the Word of God and the Bible is the guiding ethos for our culture. And we need to remember that. We cannot let the left continue to disparage the Judeo-Christian reality of the United States of America. Everybody from John, uh, from Hamilton to uh, to uh, 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 Pre- President uh, 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 Lincoln to Roosevelt, the, the list goes on. Woodrow Wilson, everybody is arguing that the Bible is the standard for the United States. And I've told you before that even we uh, an empirical analysis proves that Moses is cited more often in the founding documents of the United States of America during the seminal time of our founding than any other individual. More than Montesquieu, more than Hume, more than Locke, more than Hobbes, Moses. Okay, so with that said, what does the Bible say? What does God say? Well, Proverbs 8.13, pride and arrogance I hate. James 4.6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 16.5, everyone who is arrogant in heart, you could argue that synonymous with that is proud, in heart is an abomination to the Lord. And be assured, those people will not go unpunished. Haughty eyes and a proud heart are the lamp of the wicked, and they are sin, says Proverbs 21. And then we can go on and on and on, Bob, as you know I do. Mm -hmm. For the Lord is high, and he regards the lowly, but the haughty, the proud, he knows from afar. Uh, 1 Corinthians, the love chapter of the Bible, the quintessential love chapter, says that love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not proud. Proverbs 15, the Lord tears down the house of the proud. Psalm 31, the Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays who? Those who act with pride. And you know I've got verse after verse after verse that I cite in this may, particular may I cite one? May I cite one of, yeah, your, uh, of your list? Because I, I, I think this one to me jumped out the most. I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will put an end to the pomp of the arrogant and lay low the pompous pride of the ruthless. That's Isaiah thirteen eleven. If that doesn't speak to, you know, this whole Pride Month thing and everything that Joe Biden said, and that doesn't, like, maybe, you know, raise the eyebrows of a few people, I would be very, very surprised and, and alarmed. Well, and the the issue here and you notice in the article i don't say anything about homosexuality lgbtq the rainbow agenda i say nothing of that i'm taking uh the president at his word he's saying happy pride month happy pride year god bless you all our nation has elevated pride which is one of the seven deadly sins historically cited by the church we've elevated that vice of pride to a national virtue, to the point where we're going to celebrate it overtly for an entire month, and we're going to elevate this thing that 2,000 years of church history has defined as a quintessential sin, a vice, we're going to elevate it to a national virtue, and we think we're not going to suffer the consequences thereof? I mean, we're fools if we don't think there will be consequences to elevating a sin to the status of a virtue. Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind, says C.S. Lewis. It is the sin that leads to every other sin. One more time, C.S. Lewis, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It's the sin that leads to all other sins. It's the quintessential. It is the absolute sin. It's the original sin, elevating yourself to be as God and claiming that you know more than God knows because you're so proud in heart that you don't need God to tell you anything any longer about what's good or evil, and we are at the point where we are actually looking in the face of God and saying, we're proud enough, we're arrogant enough, that we will define everything. We'll decide 
what a woman is. We'll decide what a man is. We will decide what's true and what's false and what's good and what's evil. We don't need God any longer to tell us any of this because we are proud at heart and we're going to wave our banners of pride for an entire month saying we're in charge. This is what the Tower of Babel story in the Bible tells us about, that they became so proud that they could reach the heavens and supplant God. And what happened? God finally said, no, I'm going to put you down. I'm going to tell you to stop and I will destroy your entire culture before the, because of your pride. And if we don't think that what happened in the past is going, will never happen again, then we're being arrogant as to the lessons of history. As George Santayana said, he who doesn't learn the lessons of the past is doomed to repeat them. And I would argue these biblical lessons are something we should be attending to today, not because of the sexuality and the sin therein, but because of the quintessential sin, the sin that leads to all others the sin of pride. Yeah, I love that you closed with C.S. Lewis after all of the the scriptural uh, quotes that you gave there. And since since you did the scripture thing, let, let's talk about briefly um, your latest podcast uh, on the rebellion, um, episode 632. I'm looking at it now. I haven't listened to it, but I want you to give me a, a thumbnail sketch of it and your analysis of the question of whether or not Jesus would have been a Republican or a Democrat by today's standards, and who would he have voted for? Can you give us a, a, a brief version? Yeah, I'll be very brief. Uh, I get it all the time. You probably do, too, Bob, because you're conservative, and, you know, you'll get a progressive saying, well, you know, you act like Jesus was a Republican. He surely wasn't. You know Jesus wasn't a Republican, don't you? Well, it's a stupid comment, quite frankly, because, of course, Jesus wasn't a Republican, because Republicans didn't exist in the time of Jesus. That wasn't the political division. So the question is, who would have Jesus voted for had he had the right to vote at all while he walked the earth? Would he have voted for a given party or a given individual? And we have a lot of evidence that Jesus would have voted for people who told the truth, people who honored freedom, people who didn't try to oppress others with their power, that Jesus would have voted for those that honored dignity, freedom, and honesty. And I would argue, as you look at the division within the political debate right now, there is one party that stands for more freedom rather than less, there is one party that stands for less government rather than more. There is one party that protects the dignity of the child. There is one party that says that women are real. They're not a fabrication. They're not a fantasy. There's one party that challenges the celebration of pride, while there's another party that waves the banner proudly without any shame. And therefore, I conclude that if Jesus were telling us who to vote for today, he'd tell us to vote for those principles that I just outlined. Forget the fact that one party is named Republican and the other is named Democrat. What ideals and principles does Jesus continue to champion today? And I would argue he champions life, he champions the dignity of the individual as defined by God rather than culture or rather than our constructs, and he champions the importance of personal liberty and freedom. And yes, I don't apologize for voting for those things. And if that be Republican, so be it. I think that's very well said. It's not about the label. It is about what they stand for. And those are things that I'm proud to stand for, no matter what label you want to give me. Uh, 19 minutes after the hour, Dr. Piper, we'll take a time out here. We'll come back and talk about legislation. I've got good legislation here in Ohio uh, to talk about. And you've got uh, a disappointing decision by your legislature there in Oklahoma. We'll talk about those next. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
1022, a quick reminder, if you have not yet made plans to be in Highland Heights uh, this evening, I hope you can make it. Uh, I'll be speaking uh, to the Eastside GOP group tonight. Doors open at 6.30. Also, special guest Judge Dan Hawkins, who's a candidate for the Ohio Supreme Court, is going to be giving remarks as well. Uh, but uh, I will be there, and I'm looking forward to addressing another phenomenal audience. And uh, it's at the Highland Heights Community Center tonight, 6.30. The doors open, and I hope to see you there. Let's continue now with um, our good friend, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper, we'll start with yours. We'll do the bad news first, then we'll talk about some of the good news here in Ohio. Um, PBS is is left-wing. We know it's left-wing. It's one of the most frustrating things to know that our taxpayers go, our tax dollars, rather, go to things like PBS and NPR. So it looks like in Oklahoma, the governor said no more funding for PBS, particularly because uh, they're pushing kids into political stances in social issue debates, including issues of sexuality, but your legislature overrode your governor? What happened? Uh, as you know, I, I tweeted this, and I, I, I said, uh, I'm at the point where I'm about ready to recant um, my Republican Party registration and uh, re-register, register as an independent rather than a Republican. Now, I would argue that I've been as conservative as anybody over and over again. I put myself in your camp in terms of arguing for conservative values, conservative solutions, the conservation of God's truth, the conservation of human freedom, the conservation of, an, of, of human life. I, I'm not going to put myself second to anybody in terms of fighting these battles here in the state of Oklahoma, and I'm just ticked off. I am so frustrated with our quote-unquote conservative party, the Republicans of Oklahoma. As I've said on your show over and over again, the reddest of red states, we celebrate this. We're the most conservative. Not one county that has gone blue in four successive presidential elections. But yes, we have a Republican governor, Kevin Stitt, who did his job well because he had he vetoed, vetoed legislation back in April that would have funded the Oklahoma Educational Television Authority, OETA. That's Oklahoma's PBS Broadcasting Service. Kevin Stitt did what he should have done, did, excuse me, should have done. He actually vetoed the funding of PBS here in Oklahoma because PBS, first of all, leans left all the time. We know that. And also, why do we need to be funding this with public dollars anyway? Aren't we beyond that with the Internet available to everyone? Why do we have to waste this money on public broadcasting? Well, our Republican House and our Republican Senate, with strong, overwhelming majorities of GOP in each, overruled and overrode Kevin Stitt's um, uh, veto. And to a vote of 73 to 23 in the House and 38 to 6 in the Senate, they overrode Kevin Stitt's veto and funded PBS. And just on June 1, what did PBS broadcast across Oklahoma as, as well as the nation? They broadcast on Sesame Street. Happy Pride, they said. And then they then posted LGBTQIA plus people in our communities need to be celebrated on Sesame Street. Well, thank the Lord we've got such a conservative legislature here in Oklahoma. Frankly, it's a joke. 
Yeah, and you're not alone. Uh, I, I've done the same thing here. The only thing that kept me during some very, you know, times of, of anger and, and, and outrage, quite frankly, at some of the actions of our Republican uh, leadership and legislature here in Ohio is the fact that uh, I need to stay a Republican in order to vote in primaries. And, uh, and you know, so there are things that stop me from registering as independent, and that is I need to I need to be able to vote in a Republican primary. So it's, uh, you know, even though we have open primaries, we're trying to close those. The point, though, is a good one. If you cannot rely on the party that is supposed to be good and advancing the causes you believe in, then should you be a part of any party at all? And I understand that frustration. Uh, here in Ohio, we just got some great work done, despite this being very late. And with a supermajority Republican uh, legislature, both the House and the Senate here, it shouldn't have taken this long, but it did. But yesterday passed out of the House, and this will sail through the Senate, three important bills, Dr. Piper. Uh, one is called the Parents' Bill of Rights, which mandates, among other things, that schools report to parents any changes in their child's uh, health status, and that can mean psychological health as well. The left calls it a forced outing of kids to their parents, as if parents should not automatically be consulted when their kids are going through something. Uh, the other one is called the Save uh, uh, the Safe Act, which is save uh, saving adolescents from experimentation. It bans any uh, gender transitioning or surgeries or what have you for children. And then uh, in folding into that was the Save Women Sports Act. So, Dr. Piper, good news is coming from some circles. This should sail through the Ohio Senate and either be signed or l- allowed to pass by our Republican governor, if you have thoughts. Well, I was just going to ask you, do you think the governor will let it stand or will he veto it? Well, I was just talking to a a, a friend about this before you came on. Uh, You know, the three options are he can sign it, he can veto it, which it will be overridden because there are veto-proof majorities in both houses that are going to pass this, or both chambers, I should say, or let it sit for 10 days and take no action, in which case it becomes law. I think he'll probably do the third because he knows if he vetoes it, it's going to get overridden and it'll look bad for him. He's not going to sign it because he has opposed portions of it in the past. So he'll probably just let it sit and pass without his signature. Well, I guess the comment he's a, I would he's have a, is he's a trans dem. I call him a trans dem, uh, like a lot yeah. of others. Uh, you know, he's 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 Republican in name, and he he oftentimes uh, takes the Democrat side of things. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna. It, um, there's so many things that could be said, but in the last couple minutes of your show, I would just ask the rhetorical question: Who in their right mind would disagree with this? I mean, seriously, if you're in your right mind and you have any logical and coherent capacities left. Why would you oppose parents having the authority over their children, number one? I mean, that is the definition of a parent. You have authority over your child because your child is not mature enough yet to make decisions. Like when to drive, but you know what their you know what their answer to that is. Those who would vote against parents having authority believe that the the schools, the government run schools, know better what's best for your child, and that you as a parent, if you don't affirm and support your child's uh, confusion and and start them on the cross sex hormones, then you're abusing them. They think if this is an anti parent abuse bill, that's how they uh, that's how they yeah. present themselves. Well, they're they're lying. They, they, they and they know it because they understand that when you give kids over to the government rather than allow the parents to take control of their family and to take ownership and responsibility therein, that we've lost any semblance of a constitutional republic and a free people. They know that. So I guess that's the point. And then the final point is this stuff is all going to come to a head because you've watched the news recently and some of these detransitioners. These kids that were butchered when they were 13 years of age because of this lunacy, they're now mature enough to recognize it was a mistake. 
and I've altered my body irreparably for the rest of my life, and I'm angry. I'm mad that adults at hospitals and counseling centers did this to me. I'm angry at my parents for allowing this to happen to me, if indeed they did, and I'm going to sue accordingly. May they succeed. I hope that they take everybody to the cleaners financially, and that this will be the tipping point for solving this problem. Dr. Everett Piper, uh, as always, uh, bringing wisdom and insight and terrific analysis. Dr. Piper, thank you so much for everything. We'll talk to you again next week. Blessings to you, sir. It's 1030. So we're going to fight for life. We have been fighting for life in Ohio for a long time with the uh, heartbeat bill, which is now a law, but it is, of course, being challenged. And uh, Alliance Defending Freedom is fighting on behalf of the heartbeats of uh, Ohio's unborn children. We're going to talk to uh, Julia Payne from ADF next on Always Right Radio. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always Right Radio with Bob France and The Answer. 1037 now. Excuse me. 1037 as we continue on Always Right Radio. Uh, good Thursday morning to you. Thanks for being with us. If you missed the conversation with Dr. Piper and you want to hear it, you can hear it about an hour after the show ends, about 1 o'clock. I want to remind you to go to uh, whkradio.com to hear that. Any interview or conversation or anything that you miss, uh, it's always going to be available to you about an hour after the show. We also spoke with Representative DJ Swearingen this morning about the passage of three very important bills out of the Ohio House yesterday, the SAFE Act, Saving Women's Sports Act, which was folded into the SAFE Act, and, of course, the Ohio Parents' Bill of Rights. So if you missed that conversation, you're going to want to hear it. I know that. That'll be, again, at whkradio.com. I want to pivot a little bit now. <clears throat> And talk about uh, protecting the unborn. This has been uh, obviously a, a, a first, uh, a, a, the most important issue, Ohio issue one. Let's put it that way. It was so important that we got a special election for it, even though nobody likes special elections on August 8th. We're going to be trying to pass a constitutional threshold increase to 60% to stop the butchers from uh, uh, embedding abortion into Ohio's constitution in November. Now, one thing we've done as a state to protect the unborn, of course, is passed back in 2019 the Ohio Heartbeat Bill, which became the Ohio Heartbeat Law, which was signed by Governor Mike DeWine, but continues to be challenged in court by those who uh, don't believe that uh, preborn children deserve to live. Uh, defending uh, the right of those children is Alliance Defending Freedom. And joining us now is uh, Representative uh, uh, for ADF, Julia Payne, uh, to talk about unborn heartbeats at the Ohio Supreme Court. Julia, thank you for the time this morning. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me on the show. Certainly. It's a pleasure. We're doing a lot, uh, in not just me and us, uh, but, I mean, uh, there are a lot of pro-life people in the state of Ohio that are fighting very, very hard uh, at a very, very difficult time in the post-Roe world that we are in right now. Uh, A lot of states are in very serious jeopardy of losing many of the gains that they had gotten for pro-life. One of the things that we did in Ohio, as I just pointed out, was uh, pass the Ohio heartbeat law. And can you give us an update on the appeals and the challenges to that law that Alliance Defending Freedom is fighting? Yes, so the Ohio Supreme Court is currently considering the heartbeat law, which protects life after a fetal heartbeat is detected, which is usually around six weeks. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the abortion providers who are challenging that law 
are arguing that the Ohio Constitution protects a right to abortion, even though that's not written in the Ohio Constitution. But right now, the Ohio Supreme Court is not considering the merits of that issue. Instead, they're considering a procedural issue. So the Alliance Defending Freedom filed a brief on behalf of several pro-life organizations that um, lets the court know that there's not a single woman seeking an abortion who's participating in this case, and that the abortion providers who say that they're representing the interests of women really do not share women's interests because they have a financial interest in continuing to provide as many abortions as possible, and they don't share the women's interests in health and safety. Yeah, that is uh, that is very clear, that money seems to drive everything from these abortion providers. And, you know, they, they're, one of their talking points, Julia, which you're well aware of, I know, uh, is that, you know, we don't take funding and, and, and use donations to uh, to actually provide abortions. It's for other services. And, uh, you know, uh, the people pay for their own abortions and so forth. And it's simply not true. Any money that they get, any public dollars that they get, um, you know, to, to keep their, their, their clinics operational, um, they, they admit that, you know, in private conversations that their bread and butter comes from abortions. That's why everybody who goes into one of those facilities uh, for a consultation just to talk about their pregnancy is encouraged not to leave without getting that abortion because the dollars drive uh, everything that they do. It is not a concern about women's safety, is it? No, it's not. And as recent evidence of that, um, one of the named plaintiffs in this case, um, preterm Cleveland, which is an abortion clinic in Cleveland, mm-hmm. recently had a 911 call from a patient who was seriously injured and in the past has had two different women die at the clinic from complications of abortion. So it really, um, it really stretches believability that this clinic actually represents the interests of those women. What is your um, reaction to this to the sudden massive shift in the abortion argument from from those who who were pro choice? I call quite frankly pro death because the opposite of being pro life is pro death. But but it used to be safe, legal, and rare. They they don't like the idea of it, but it needs to be an option for mothers in critical circumstances and so forth. It should be rare, uh, and it should be safe, and it should be legal. They've gone from that, Julia, to. Um, any time, for any reason, at any point in the pregnancy, all the way up to just before the moment of birth, because I said so. Uh, in fact, they're, 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 they're marching and they're chanting, shout your abortion. My abortion is, is, is not just a, you know, an unfortunate situation. It's something that I'm proud of. This seems, to, there's been a, a seismic shift in the way I think this culture views the death of, of preborn babies. Yes, I think there has been. Um, So the abortion activists are becoming more and more extreme. They want to prevent states like Ohio from enacting even common-sense health measures that um, would, for instance, laws requiring that only a physician can perform an abortion. And they want to allow abortion even after viability, which would put um, the United States on the same plane with countries like China and North Korea that allow very late-term abortion. 
That's a really good comparison, uh, and I hope that is something that people will you know, will stick with people. We are talking about you know nations whose cultures do not respect life, and uh, and 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 that would be the comparative. Uh, one of your legal colleagues at ADF, Denise Harl, uh, director of the ADF Center for Life, said. Pro-life laws like Ohio's are also critical for protecting women's health and ensuring they have the support they need during a difficult time. Every woman deserves access to real health care, not the dangerous and unnecessary procedures abortionists sell to make a profit. Yet, end quote. And, uh, Julia, the mantra continues to be this is about women's health care, that an abortion is women's health care. Um, because it's their body why why is it so difficult for those on that side of this discussion and this debate to understand that there is a second body involved it's not just you know if i'm going to have a tumor removed um then it's your body there is a second body there is a second life and that life is affirmed when there is a heart beating in that second life that that has to have some value too right yeah um, both the women and the baby um, have lives with value. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is how much abortion hurts women. So as a part of our role in this case, um, the Alliance Defending Freedom submitted 12 stories from Ohio women who have been hurt by abortions. And those women talk about um, both physical complications that they had, such as hemorrhaging um, or infection, and um, they also talk about the emotional complications from their abortion. For instance, one woman talked about how she could not look at a baby without crying and without thinking about her abortion. And other women told stories about the nightmares they would have, either about the baby or about the procedure. And um, so I think um, that women... Women don't have to turn to the abortion clinic when they're in a difficult situation, when they have an unplanned pregnancy, because Ohio has um, pregnancy resource centers that offer women services um, like ultrasounds, like, like pregnancy tests, even baby clothes and parenting classes, and those centers offer those services for free. We are talking with uh, Julia Payne from Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF is, uh, filed a friend of the court brief, as you just heard her say, last month with the Ohio Supreme Court on behalf of the Cincinnati Right to Life and a bunch of other pro-life organizations trying to uphold the fetal heartbeat law. As it pertains to the heartbeat, Julia, I'm not a doctor, neither are you, but I just want to get your opinion on this since we're talking about the six-week mark uh, and, and when a heartbeat is detective. Many on the radical left that support abortion on demand um, declare that there is no heartbeat at six weeks. They're saying that the new science shows that the, let me quote this doctor from the Nicholas Children's Hospital in Miami at the Fetal Care Center, that uh, at six weeks of pregnancy, the ultrasound can detect, quote, a little flutter in the area that will become the future heart of the baby, end quote. They're saying it's not a heartbeat, so there should be no heartbeat law. They're saying it's a flutter. I don't know what's fluttering if it isn't the heart, but but like I said, I'm not a doctor. There, how do you respond, and how does ADF see this argument that six weeks, uh, the six-week heartbeat is not actually a heartbeat? Well, I think they're mincing words there. Um, that flutter is a heartbeat. That's 
a heartbeat is is electric activity that's moving blood, cardiac activity. And so that's what a heartbeat is. But even before the heartbeat, um, an unborn child has a unique set of human DNA from the moment of fertilization. And so to deny the humanity of that child is simply to deny science. Yeah, I agree with that. It it really, really is. Uh, literally, from the moment moment of conception, the moment of fertilization, like you said, literally all of the strands of DNA they're going to make up that new human are formed, uh, and then they simply simply grow over the course of the gestational period. It is it is not like they go from being non human to human, and that's one of the most frustrating things. Is um, you know, particularly as we here in Ohio, uh, Julia Payne from ADF, you know, we're we're about to have this huge fight over. Uh, uh, the enshrinement of abortion into the Ohio Constitution in November, if they are successful, and for those of us who talk about the uh, you know uh, the babies, uh, you know the uh, impact on unborn babies, they continue to say a baby is not, uh, or excuse me, a fetus is not a baby. A fetus is not a baby, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, um, what is it? Is it not human? Is it not human? Does it does it somehow? have a magical transformation from non-human to human baby when it passes through the birth canal? Because what is it if it isn't a, if it isn't a baby, um, you know, uh, in, in a pregnant woman? What is it if it's not a baby? They have no answer for that. Yes. So fetus is, I believe, Latin for little one. And if you look up fetus in Webster's Dictionary, it'll talk about an animal at the earliest stages. Of development, and so if this is a human fetus, that is by definition a baby. Yeah, and and it's not an animal baby. It's not a a, a different species baby. It is a human baby in its preformative stages, and uh, the idea that it is uh, something different than it is after it passes through the birth canal is, uh, I think, it's an affront to anything uh, scientific and anything sensible, quite frankly. Uh, but I'm glad you uh, glad that uh, ATF is fighting very hard on behalf of the heartbeat law. Hopefully, uh, you will be successful, and the Ohio Supreme Court will see things this way. But we're glad for what you are doing, Julia Payne, Alliance Defending freedom thank you so very much for coming on with us thank you for having me okay have a great day it's 10 50 we'll take a time out here we've got time for a couple of calls now before the top of the hour we are going to talk about this very same subject in a different way with uh representative uh from protect women ohio amy natos and again i'm not sure if i'm saying her last name properly we'll find out when we get her on the air but she's a spokesperson for pwo protect women ohio fighting very very hard to make sure that we defeat that ballot initiative that will be on the ballot in november to put abortion into the ohio constitution so that conversation is still to come if you would like to be heard between now and then Dial us up, 216-901-0945 on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1054, I want to remind you again, if uh, you are not aware, I'll be um, on the east side tonight on Highland Heights. 6.30, the doors open for the east side GOP meeting. I will be addressing what I'm sure is going to be a phenomenal group of people. Um, Judge Dan Hawkins, who's a candidate for the Ohio Supreme Court, is going to be speaking as well. So if you are uh, in the area and you have nothing better to do and you would like to uh, maybe discuss, we'll do a Q&A as well, so uh, discuss a little bit about what's going on in the state of Ohio. Uh, celebrate a little bit of last night and the path forward as well. When I say last night, I'm talking about the 
passage of those three very important bills. So if you want to uh, join us tonight, we'll be in Highland Heights, 630 at the uh, Highland Heights um, Community Center. 6.30 p.m., the doors open, and I hope to see you there tonight. Hey, speaking of the abortion issue that I just discussed with uh, with Julia Payne from ADF, and we're going to talk about with uh, Protect Women Ohio, I need to hit this, too, because the special election that's coming up and early voting starts on July 11th, so we're what, 18 days away, 19 days away, something like that, from the start of early voting in the special election to raise the constitutional amendment threshold to 60%. The left has been making hay with a statement by Secretary of State Frank LaRose um, in which he reportedly said, according to the left, and it's all over their left-wing Twitter and left-wing social media as they try to uh, drum up no votes for August 8th, they're saying that, see, uh, these Republicans don't care about the Ohio Constitution. This is only about abortion because they want to deny women their reproductive rights. Frank LaRose said the quiet part out loud. And they quote Frank LaRose as saying, quote, this is 100% about keeping a radical pro-abortion amendment out of our Constitution. The left wants to jam it in there this coming November. End quote. So I read that in many, many places, like I said, on left-wing Twitter as the, uh, the, the, the pro-killing, baby-killing butchers in the state of Ohio uh, made hay with that. I said, we need the context. I had Frank LaRose on yesterday. I asked him for the context. Not only did he explain what they do, which is to take a single line from a lengthy quote and take it out of context. He didn't just explain it. He sent me the actual audio. Video, really, video and audio of the speech that he was giving in Seneca County at their Lincoln Day dinner recently. So I want you to know, and I want you to share this with any leftist you know who says that uh, the the August election is a sham. It's not about protecting the Constitution. It's all about abortion because, look, your Secretary of State said so. He did say those words. But here's the full context. The U.S. Constitution is very hard to amend. It takes 75% of states to ratify an amendment to the U.S. Constitution. It's been done 27 times, but it's not easy to do. The U.S. Constitution fits in your pocket. The state constitution is nearly 70,000 words. It looks like a paperback novel, except for it doesn't have Fabio on the cover of it, right? It, um, it doesn't fit in your pocket unless I'm in my army uniform. It's nearly 70,000 words. And guess what? It's growing, or at least the left wants to make it grow. But the solution to it is up to us between now and August 8th. We have an opportunity to raise the threshold to 60%. And some people say this is all about abortion. Well, you know what? I'm pro-life. I think many of you are as well, right? And this is about, this is 100% about keeping a radical pro-abortion amendment out of our Constitution. The left wants to jam it in there this coming November. And so, yes, it's about abortion, but it's about so many other things as well. Because the next thing they want to do is put a $15 an hour minimum wage in our state Constitution. And who knows what's next? Marijuana or Maybe we just get rid of that whole pesky keep and bear arms thing that's in the Constitution, right? The left has some really dangerous plans, and this is one of the ways that we can make sure that they're not successful. So it's important for all Ohioans to get out and vote between now and August 8th. You're going to have the same three choices, early voting, absentee voting, and election day voting. So don't, uh, you know, don't worry if you're on vacation in August. Uh, make sure that you get your voice heard. Listen, we've got a country to take back. Context is everything, isn't it? 
Did he say, yeah, it's 100% about abortion, but he also said it's about many other things as well. They're taking the 100% to mean, and they know they're being disingenuous with this, that it's all about abortion and only about abortion. When he said that in the context of, it's kind of like saying, um, I, I, I'm a vegan and I hate steak. Do you like steak? 100% I like steak. 100% I do. Well, does that mean I only like steak and nothing else? It's 100% steak? I don't like pasta? I don't like this, that, or the other? Of course not. I know that's a bit of a goofy example. But he said, of course, 100%. Yes, abortion is a part of that. It doesn't mean it's literally 100% of that, because he literally then went on to say it's about many other things as well. Some people say this is all about abortion. Well, you know what? I'm pro-life. I think many of you are as well, right? keeping a radical pro-abortion amendment out of our Constitution. The left wants to jam it in there this coming November. And so, yes, it's about abortion, but it's about so many other things as well. Because the next thing they want to do is put a $15 an hour minimum wage in our state Constitution. And who knows what's next? Marijuana. Or maybe we just get rid of that whole pesky keep and bear arms thing. It's 100% about abortion. Yes, 100% it is. But it's about so much more than that, too. Don't let, the, don't let the left lie their way into defeating issue one on August 8th. It must pass. And you bring these facts with you to any conversation you have with them. Third hour is coming up. Stay here on Always Right Radio. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by KeepingMedicareSimple.com and The Floor King. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. It is indeed, and hour number three is now underway. Ten minutes past 11 o'clock on this Thursday, the 22nd morning of the month of groom in the year of our Lord, 2023. We said we give this a little listen, huh? We have waited for our chance. Our chance to make a difference to save lives. Now, our chance is here. The abortion industry's proposed amendment would allow no limit abortions in Ohio. Abortions when the baby can feel pain, excruciating pain. On top of that, the same radical groups want to tear at the fabric that holds our families together allow our children to get abortions without our consent and remove all protections for the unborn 
As parents, it's our worst nightmare. A potential reality so grim, it's hard to even imagine. Together, we can stop unrestricted abortion. Reinforce the need for parental involvement. Put an end to the greedy, profiteering pro-abortion industry. Stopping the abortion industry from taking the lives of babies can be a turning point. We'll have a story to tell our children and grandchildren about the time we voted to save lives. Voted to keep our rights as parents. This is our chance to save lives. Join us at protectwomenohio.com to make this chance a reality. That is the latest video uh, in support of babies and in support also of issue one coming up on August 8th. Uh, early voting begins on July 11th. It is, a, it is a tag team situation. We have to pass the constitutional threshold change on August 8th, and then we have to defeat the ballot initiative coming up in November, which is targeting uh, your children uh, and uh, and taking your rights as parents away. Joining us now, representing Protect Women Ohio, is uh, Amy Natosi. She is a spokesperson uh, who joins us to uh, talk about this very important effort. Uh, Amy, it's good to have you on the program. How are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Bob. Powerful advertisement. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean that we're putting that out ahead of the Dobbs anniversary here. Um, and really reminding people of what's at stake this August with the special election and then November um, with the ACLU uh, pushing this incredibly dangerous anti-parent amendment on us. Um, so we have to vote yes in August and no in November. Amy, I, uh, I talked to somebody else from PWO last month, and um, I asked a really weird question. I'm going to ask it of you as well because um, – as you point out, you know the anniversary of Dobbs is is uh, is one year anniversary is about here, and everyone has been working so hard for fifty years to overturn Roe, and the Dobbs case did that. And my question that is so bizarre is, did it hurt to overturn it more than help? And the reason why I ask that, of course, is there were some limitations prior to this, but returning the decision about abortion to the states the way it has we find ourselves in places like this where the radical pro-abortionists have a far more extreme view of abortion now than they did before and they want to put it in our constitution and this is allowing uh, you know abortions all the way up literally until the moment of birth not for any reason whatsoever but for literally whatever they decide um it's more radical than it was during the Roe period so uh, how do you assess that? Yeah, so you, you're correct in exactly what this amendment would do if it were to pass come November. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we have now is these radical, extreme groups like the ACLU and for-profit abortion giants like Planned Parenthood who know that they would not be able to pass their extreme agendas the traditional route through Ohio's legislature Um, And so instead, they're trying to circumvent the process and go directly after our Constitution. And so it is critical that we're talking to Ohioans, educating them on exactly what this amendment would do and making sure they vote no in November. Uh, If passed, this amendment would completely strip parents of their rights and allow their minor children to obtain abortions and sex changes without their consent 
It would remove all protections currently in place for women who undergo abortions in Ohio, and it would allow for painful late-term abortions all the way through 40 weeks. And so the dangers of this amendment really cannot be overstated. We're talking to Amy Natosi, spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio. Um, I completely agree. Let me ask you, is Ohio a pro-life state? I, I, and and, and the, the, the context there is, I know at the legislative level we are, we passed the heartbeat bill. Uh, it is now the heartbeat law. I know at most of the state uh, 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 executive positions we are. But as I look and as I kind of follow just, you know, reading the tea leaves a little bit here in terms of the support that they are generating to defeat the August 8th issue and to pass in November this radical extreme agenda, they have a lot of support. They looks like they have a lot of money. They have a lot of activation uh, or activism, I guess is a better word. Uh, and I want to know, can we match that? Can we exceed that? Are we a pro-life state or not? Ohio is absolutely a state that stands for protecting the unborn, protecting women, and protecting parental rights. Um, Bob, I can tell you we have had incredible feedback when we are on the ground talking to Ohioans about what the ACLU's amendment would do. Uh, We have canvassers knocking doors every single day, and I have heard time and time again that when canvassers are going to the door and speaking to voters, um, even self proclaimed pro-choice voters, when they hear what the ACLU's amendment would do to their rights as parents um, and that the amendment would allow their minor kids to be undergoing these life-altering medical procedures, not just abortions, but also Mm -hmm. sex changes, um, these voters are appalled and have said that they will be voting no in November. And so uh, this is really an election about going directly to Ohio and educating them on the ACLU's extreme agenda, because we know it's out of touch with Ohio values. It is uh, entirely out of touch with what I believe to be Ohio values. But like I said, they have a lot of support, and they're also getting a lot of support from out of state. And I know this is a contentious issue, Amy, because, uh, you know, there is a, a pro-life uh, individual who is a multimillionaire or billionaire or whatever in Illinois that is sending a lot of funds this way. I spoke uh, yesterday about this with a with a state representative who said, look, uh, you know, you fight fire with fire, if, in a manner of speaking. Uh, the left has a lot of money coming in from out of state to try to radically change the Ohio Constitution. We will take support from wherever we can get it as well. Um, and and so I, I I know we're we're pro life as a you know as a I think our values state that but I just know that there is a lot there are a lot of people outside of the state um, who are who are trying to push this agenda on the rest of the country one state at a time and I just hope there are enough of us you know for that counteroffensive. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why this August election is so important. We know that the current threshold for changing Ohio's constitution. Um, It's 50 percent plus one. And that really opens up the doors to these out-of-state special interest groups who think that they can just uh, pull up to Ohio with their truckloads of money and buy their way into our Constitution. And they're really trying to circumvent our legislature because they know that our representatives are pro-life and represent Ohioans' pro-life values. And more than that, they know that the legislature um, will stand up for parents and for women's health and safety regulations. And so these groups really um, know that their only way uh, to affect change in Ohio is to try to buy their way into the Constitution. And that's why it is 
critical that on August 8th, uh, we vote yes to protect the Constitution and then vote against the ACLU's extreme amendment come November. Yeah, that's very well said. We're talking to Amy Natosi. She is the spokesperson for uh, Protect Women Ohio, and we are indeed uh, doing everything we can to pass that uh, uh, that issue that uh, uh, on August 8th that is so crucial to raise the threshold to 60% and then to defeat that ballot initiative in November. Um, uh, I spoke to a, a Republican club uh, organization last, well, two weeks ago, I guess it would be now, uh, and people there were saying they were receiving mailers from California, postmarked California, telling these Ohio residents to vote no uh, on August 8th and vote yes in October or in November. They're literally from California. Now, what, what does California have to do with what's going on in Ohio? This agenda, again, is nationwide, and, and they're trying to chip off state by state, uh, you know, in every place they can to make sure uh you know that that abortion is legal and again i i said this to a previous guest not just legal and rare they used to say safe legal and rare but that it mm-hmm. is that it is rampant that it is something to be celebrated that it is i mean i see people marching against the amendment on august 8th or excuse me the uh the the uh, uh issue on august 8th amy wearing t-shirts that say abortion is love Abortion is love. You've probably seen these as well. They somehow have made this from being something that is an extreme decision that is made in a moment of chaos that just might, you might feel like there's no way out and it's necessary in a rare situation. They went from that to let's all do this. This is, you know, this is a party. It's an abortion party. That's how extreme it's gotten. Absolutely. And that's why it is so critical that we are talking to our friends, our family, our uh, you know, folks who go to church with us and educating yeah. them on exactly what this amendment would do, because the ACLU would have you believe that their amendment in November is about protecting women and about protecting health. I mean, it's right there in the title of their amendment. They talk about how, how this is protecting a woman's rights and her health and, and privacy with her doctor, and that could not be further from the truth. This amendment goes so far beyond um, abortion I mean, we're talking about allowing painful late-term abortion all the way up until the moment of birth with no exceptions. This is abortion on demand. This yeah. this turns us into California, into New York, into the most blue states in the country. And more than that, it's putting women at risk. You know, in Ohio, for women who currently do undergo abortions, we have common sense health and safety regulations in place. Um, things such as uh, abortion clinics need to have hospital admitting privileges in case an emergency were to arise, right. and they need to be within a certain distance of an emergency room. This amendment would now consider those common sense health and safety protections to be a burden to uh, abortion. And so we are talking about putting women who, who you know, the left is saying abortion protects women no, we are talking about putting their lives at risk now. And so it is so important that we are telling people exactly what this amendment would do and that it does nothing other than harm women and the unborn. Yeah, well, they're right about one thing. It is a burden, but it's a burden to their profiteering, which is, I think, the only thing that they're concerned with here. And uh, and it should be. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, you know, what, what this would do, what this extreme ballot initiative would do in Ohio, making us like California, New York, and so forth. Um I know that Protect Women Ohio is also shining a spotlight on New Mexico. This goes to the the, the sex change uh, part of this, the transing of America's youth. In New Mexico, they just passed a, a new law that permits minors to have sex change procedures or at least start them with the 
uh, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, and ultimately to you know to surgi- surgery and, and, and surgical mutilation without any parental consent or knowledge whatsoever. I, is this is this what we're in danger of becoming if this thing passes in November, Amy? Yes, that's exactly right, Bob. And it's incredible because the ACLU, who drafted this amendment and is bankrolling it intentionally used this incredibly broad language to allow abortions and sex changes for minors without parental consent and even parental notification. What they did when crafting this amendment is they said that the amendment would protect all reproductive decisions. So that's not just abortion. That is any procedure at all that touches your reproductive organs and your ability to reproduce. So that protects hormone blockers, sterilization, um, sex change surgeries. So the ACLU now wants the government to be able to co-parent your kids and walk them through these life-altering medical decisions without your input. Yeah, not even co-parent, if I may, Amy, not even co-parent. It's, it's, it's replace you as the parent because you don't get to know that that New Mexico law right. says parents don't even get to know it's happening, much less give their consent. That this can be done without their knowledge, and here in Ohio, so it would literally strip parents' rights rather than even say we're going to share them with you. Yeah, that's absolutely right. We are talking about cutting parents out of these conversations and these decisions completely. And you know, this is a theme we have heard time and time again from the left. You know, how many times have we heard Joe Biden and his press secretary get up there and talk about how these are all of our kids? We know that's not true. These are not all of our kids. You know, this this is my child. I have a say in what he or she does and no one else. And the ACLU is trying to come in and completely strip that away. Well, we need to be very loud and very clear uh, about this because literally yesterday, when the state house passed the parents bill of rights it was it was affirming our rights to raise our kids and that the schools can't be doing things with our kids can't be pushing them guiding them uh, facilitating these sorts of 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 life altering decisions without telling parents what's going on and that amy is why this is so crucial because the left figures since the you know, supermajority conservative or Republican legislature is going to continue to give parents these rights, then we have to find another way to do this, uh, to do what we want to do. So we're going around. We're going to circumvent the legislature, circumvent the lawmaking process because they're tilted in favor of parenting now. So we need to strip the parents of their rights another way. We're going right to the constitutional amendment uh, uh, issue. And people need to know that. That's how crucial this is. Uh, and and why you know if we defeat this in November and obviously pass the um, threshold increase in August, but then defeat this ballot initiative in November, we will have taken a monumental step toward protecting kids and parents' rights. That's absolutely right, and you know this is just and it's the latest example of the ACLU's war on parents. We have seen this time and time again, where they are going into states, dropping these extreme amendments and trying to completely go around the legislative process and our elected officials who represent our best interests and our policy views. Um, and that's exactly what the ACLU is doing here. They are trying to enshrine policy within the Constitution to take away our rights. And they've, they've done this all over the country. And the ACLU has an entire page on their website 
that explains how parental consent is a burden to teenagers obtaining abortions. So we have it right there in black and white. It is no secret uh, where the ACLU and Planned Parenthood stand on these issues, and it's time for us to finally stop them in Ohio. Amy Natosi, spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio. Amy, um, you're doing great work. Everybody at PWO is, as well as, of course, Ohio Right to Life, Cleveland Right to Life, and up and down the line. Uh, how can people be a part of this? What can people do to help uh, PWO? Yeah, so I'd encourage everybody to check out protectwomenohio.com. Uh, there was tons of information on our website about what this amendment will do. And on these uh, issue campaigns, it is critical that we get our friends, our family, um, everybody we know who is like-minded registered to vote and that they know exactly what these amendments will do. So again, it's protectwomenohio.com. Um, please share the website. All of our social media channels are linked. That's the easiest, uh, most free way to educate everybody about what the ACLU's extreme anti-parent abortion amendment will do. Um, and if you feel it on your heart, um, you, you know, we're, we know we're going to be outspent by the ACLU coming in here with their unlimited funds. So there is a way to donate online. But uh, the easiest thing we can really do is just share the information with our friends. Um, share that video you played at, at the beginning of this segment. It's on mm-hmm. our social media, on our website. And just really make sure Ohioans know what we are up against this November. Amy Natosi, spokesperson for Protect Women Ohio. It's about protecting women and it's about protecting children. We have to make sure we pass that uh, special issue in August, on August 8th. Again, uh, early voting begins July 11th. It is right around the corner and then defeat this horrific ballot initiative in November. Amy, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. We'll continue to uh, sound the alarm on this end as well, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, Bob. Thank you. It's 1128, Always Right Radio. Continues on AM 1420, The Answer. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. Yes, indeed. It is 1137, final segment of the broadcast. It's been a busy one. We've had... uh, Four interviews uh, started out early with uh, DJ Swearingen, Ohio State representative, who was the co-sponsor of the um, Parents' Bill of Rights, which passed the Ohio House yesterday. Huge news there. We also discussed the Save Women Sports Act and the uh, SAFE Act, Saving Adolescents from Experimentation, uh, also passed yesterday. So that interview with DJ Swearingen, Swearingen, you should uh, check out at whkradio.com after the show. Also talked uh, in uh, the second hour with uh, Dr. Everett Piper. You should catch that one. We spoke with Alliance Defending Freedom, and we spoke with um, uh, Protect Women Ohio, all about protecting uh, unborn life in the state of Ohio. So all of those interviews are available to you. And I've got time for you now at 216-901-0945. Don't forget, by the way, to stop by Highland Heights, the Highland Heights Community Center, 630 doors open tonight. I will be speaking to the Eastside GOP Club there uh, as a part of uh, their meeting. And uh, Judge Dan Hawkins will be there, too. He's a candidate for Ohio Supreme Court. So I'm looking forward to being there. I hope you can stop out and see us as well. Uh, let's go to uh, Sally, who's calling us from Bria. Sally, thank you for waiting. You're on the air. Fire away. Hi, Bob. You actually made my point about the danger to parental rights of this upcoming November initiative. Um, However, um, 
these bills in Ohio that should be passing are wonderful, but they're in jeopardy with this horrendous November initiative. And I am trying to contact any conservatives that I can find to please uh, vote early. There is, um, you can request a ballot on the web, but you can also at the libraries have the paper copies when they're available that can be mailed in. Uh, but you need to have, you know, allow time for stale mail and everything to get your ballot and mail it back in. But I want everybody to vote early if possible and um, defeat this horrendous November initiative that it makes an abortion like ordering a pizza and it abolishes parental rights. Thank you, Bob. Well, thank you, uh, Sally. And uh, you're right. You know, the, the turnout is expected to be very, very low. <clears throat> Maybe 15 Twenty percent of of Ohio's eligible voters are going to vote in in August. Um, that's the danger of uh, an August special election. It's one of the reasons why they're not preferred. In this case, it was necessary to get this before November because of the uh, crucial nature of that ballot initiative. So, uh, it's going to be a low turnout. But we need to make sure that whatever it is, we out turnout those who wish to. Um, you know, codify and embed into the Ohio Constitution these radical, um, you know, anti-parent um, bills, or, or excuse me, this anti-parent parent constitutional amendment, where parents don't have the right to have any conversation with their kids about potentially aborting their child in an unplanned pregnancy, or changing their gender, or trying to by going through uh, life-altering procedures. So, um, we have to just turn them out. We just we just have to out-turn out. I know that's an awkward phrasing, but we have to outvote them. We need to get more people out and active in August than they have. So if it, uh, whatever it takes, you just said it. We can early vote. You can vote uh, uh, absentee. You can do it on Election Day, August 8th, but do not hesitate and do not leave it to chance. I'll put it to you this way. Do you have a summer vacation planned? Most people do. Many people do. If you are going to be out of state and out of town and away from your precinct on August 8th, you have no excuse to not start voting immediately on July 11th. Get it done early. Gast your vote on July 11th or 12th or 13th. You have all of that time up until August 8th. So plan yourself and your time and your travel accordingly so that we can't say, oh, my gosh, I almost forgot. I, I, you know, I'm going to be out of town on Election Day, and I didn't go beforehand. Don't let that happen. It is too crucial. She's right. Uh, Charlie, calling from Brownhill. Hey, Charlie, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Fire away, sir. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. You bet. I'm just watching uh, Riley Gaines testify in front of the Senate today on how unfair it was for her to be stripped of of her medals and that she had worked so hard, like 18 years straight, to to get these medals. And I'm thinking, you know, I worked at... Cleveland City Hall, and we had a guy named Stella Walsh that was there. He was a dude, and he was dressed as a woman, and he had won Olympic medals against women. And they still have a rec center named in his name and all that baloney. This is cheating, and these people should have their medals taken away. They should have their their first place, whatever. They should have them taken away. And I think that would be a great example to show you don't compete against women. It's unfair. It's cheating. Clear and clear. What do you think? 
Well, and you know that's only half of the problem. As Riley Gaines testified, uh, now you said today, uh, you, maybe you saw the testimony from yesterday because yeah, she she testified yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, um, it's only half the story about cheating and taking away their medals and their ability to compete with one another and so forth. Um, it's also the the trauma of these naked men in their locker rooms, naked biological men, and she described this six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound male um, exposing himself uh, to all of the girls in that locker room because he says he's a girl and he of course i'm talking about leah thomas in you know riley Gaines swimming competitions you know he of course is in the same locker room that they are in because they have decided if he says he's a girl he is a girl and he's standing there not even covering you know and allowing himself to be fully exposed uh and for them to be exposed in front of him and and riley Gaines actually broke down a little bit yesterday uh in in recalling that and saying this is pretty traumatic you expect when you go into your girl's locker room and shower room to be around other women and you know you you take care of your you know your 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 hygiene and so on and so forth in the in the privacy of people like you and to see a, a male in there just acting like it's no big deal it was traumatizing to them so to me charlie it's twofold it's the competition aspect which you're 100% right about it's cheating but then they're even if they take those medals away it doesn't take the trauma away from the the actual girls who have to endure this nonsense uh, that's true. Uh, just bringing up Stella Walsh, I remember when the coroner, when she passed away, or he passed away, the coroner revealed at the very end there was no sign of female genitalia whatsoever. So this guy had competed in the Olympics, won gold medals, and then worked for the city of Cleveland as a as a star because they had those gold medals, had a rec center named after him. And they're still there. I mean, it's just, yeah. I'll it's tell you what, Charlie. I don't know anything about him, but I'll tell you what you just said into that corner. Said, "Thank you for the call, my friend. It's true." But even if they do have genitalia because they have plastic surgery, it does not make a man a woman or a woman a man. That is not possible. It's Thank you, everyone. We'll have a free for all Friday tomorrow. See you then. Bye bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.